0: Hi, Jim Roddy here from the RSP with some special news before we start today's pod. Registration is now open for Retail Now 2023, the Retail Technology Channel's number one trade show, education conference, and networking event. Join RSPA and retail IT channel leaders live and in-person July 30th through August 1st at the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center in Orlando. With nearly 200 exhibitors, retail now is one-stop shopping for VARs and ISVs. And With an expected 1,500 or more attendees, it's the place for extreme industry connectivity. Across just 48 hours, you'll meet new partners and new solution providers who can accelerate the success of your business. If you're serious about the Retail IT channel, you have to attend Retail Now 2023. It's where the industry meets. For all the details and to register at discounted early bird rates, visit the Retail Now website today at gorspa.org forward slash retail now. That's gorspa.org forward slash retail now. I hope to see you there, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a very special episode for you today. Now, the RSPA recently published its 2023 Retail IT Channel KPI Study. This is the seventh year of the report. And we've invited two veteran channel executives to help us dig deep into the numbers and tell you what it all means for VARs, ISVs, vendors, and distributors. Now, before we get to our guests, if you want your own copy of the 2023 RSPA Retail IT Channel KPI Study, you can just go to our website, www.gorspa.org and either click on RSP blog where you'll see it there, or you can just search, use a search for 2023 KPI study. And one other note before we get to our guests, if you're watching on YouTube, I apologize for my hair. I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina less than a year ago. Apparently it's easier to get a heart surgeon in Raleigh than it is to get a reliable uh, barber to cut your hair. People are gonna be watching this and being like, was this recorded in the pandemic? I don't get it. Why would he let his hair go that bad? But uh, hopefully that'll be the least important thing uh, that we talk about uh, today. And I do have an appointment scheduled uh, for 24 hours from now. So, all right, our first guest, Hunter Allen. Uh, he's well known as the former board chair of the RSPA. Just over 25 years ago, Hunter founded Servian Systems, a VAR headquartered in New York with locations in Pennsylvania, Florida, and Arizona. Servian has led the way for VAR's transitioning to the as-a-service business model. Also Hunter is a member of the board of managers for payment processor Cocard and a managing member of ISV EdgeServe POS Solutions. He's a past trusted advisor guest when he helped us analyze our 2021 and 2022. KPI Studies. Hunter, glad to have you back and congrats on the RSPA podcast guest trifecta.
1: Thanks very much, Jim. Do I get a jacket?
0: Uh, Yes, you too. You will get get a jacket. It'll be showing up shortly. And it's royal blue, just like the RSPA. So one more thing. So Hunter is also the secretary of the RSPA scholarship fund. And later in the program, I'll give him a chance to promote a special limited edition commemorative coin that the scholarship board has created to celebrate the RSPA's 75th anniversary. So again, Hunter hasn't had to prepare for that. He he knows it all uh, by heart. Our special guest is Dean Riverman, the Vice President of Marketing for value added distributor Blue Star. Dean joined Blue Star in 2011 after 12 years working for a Kentucky based VAR. Dean's a member of the RSPA Marketing Committee and co host of the award winning Tech Connect podcast, which is nearing 150 episodes. Dean, welcome to the RSPA podcast. Well, thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to our conversation. That's a pleasure. I'll get some tips from you after we record this whole thing about all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes because you have a perspective I'd like to pick your brain. So There you go. Fair enough. Wonderful. Well, so we asked Dean and Hunter to help us analyze the KPI study because of their broader perspective of channel, right? If you, as you've heard, Hunter's a VAR who also works closely with an ISV and a payment processor, and they both have very active reseller channels. And Blue Star, being a distributor, they work with hundreds of VARs and ISVs. And so Dean has a front row seat to all the changes in the solution provider community. And Dean and Hunter were the first RSP members to receive text of the 2023 study. So they've had some time to digest it. So, all right, this is where we all get to surprise each other. So, and I want to keep the first part of our conversation as open-ended as we can get. So the KPI study is once again, over 7,000 words long, plus tons of digits in there. And so Hunter, from all that data, what was the number one thing that jumped out to you from the report?
1: You know, Jim, I think it uh, overall, um, as you highlighted, it's a very healthy report uh, for 2022 um, for our industry. You know, some of my business mentors always taught me that uh, when there is, uh, you know, market disruption is when there is market opportunity. And so as we saw the, the uh, things that occurred in the industry related to COVID, uh, it's pretty clear to me that a bunch of uh, our industry members were able to execute well and take advantage of the opportunities that it presented um, and, and continue to do well.
0: Great. Can you hone a little bit? Like, what do you see as the major disruptors that we've had? I mean, the pandemic is one. Uh, was that the only one that you saw? Or were there other disruptors that you saw uh, spin out of that?
1: Well, I think that the primary one was uh, the the underlying issue was pandemic. But I think that the way that it... Um, uh, impacted the industry sort of differed on what vertical that you were in so you had some people that were in hospitality verticals that that in in major metropolitan markets saw you know their entire customer base in essence close down and go to zero sales overnight and for some for a significant period of time whereas you saw some that had some uh greater focus on grocery uh, see see grocery go through the roof and and achieve volumes uh, that, you know, they had never seen before. And so, um, you know, you also saw some of the shift from uh, things like dine-in to, you know, to go and take out and delivery, that there's underlying technology that fuels those new business models. And so, I, I, from my perspective, as we look back over the last two years, I think you know the the pandemic is the the instigator of it all, but I think it's very interesting that it created opportunity in different ways in different segments of the market for us.
0: Yeah, and my wife and I were just having this conversation yesterday that 700,000 people have reported that long COVID has pulled them out of the workforce. And so we had this labor shortage, right, to begin with, and it just seems to keep getting compounded and compounded. And Dean, I want to get your take on 1007, but before I do, for those who haven't seen this study yet, some of the opportunity that uh, that resellers and ISVs sees, some of the data we have from the report that say half of VARs achieved double-digit sales growth in 2022, the Hybrids that we have—they're both ISVs and VARS. They had their second consecutive best sales year ever out of the seven years we've done the report. VARS had healthy profits, and then those hybrids—85% of them posted double-digit profit margins. So that's what Hunter's referring to when he says, you know, how healthy it is and, and the opportunity that came from that disruption. Dean, what's your take on what Hunter said about the disruption uh, leads opportunity?
2: Yeah, no, I, I think he's right on, and what, that's what we're seeing as far as disruptions in the marketplace and how resellers accommodated or adopted to those. It was very interesting to see. I mean, you saw some bubbles occur in some areas of the business, whereas, you know, obviously there was a mad scramble to try to do such things as curbside and and those types of things. A lot of that continues to linger on. So you did see some shifting of where technologies, right, needed to go in order to accommodate that. One thing that the study pulled out that I'm really glad to see come off of it was would be your uh, supply chain issues that were happening during COVID. That was a major disruptor uh, that that happened over the last couple years. You know, know, just your ability to get hardware or certain technology solutions. And really, I think we're in a much better spot today and mitigated a lot of that. So that disruption's behind us. And now, you know, I think resellers, ISVs can be a lot more forward thinking and not backward thinking like, well, okay, all those deals that I had and all the the pent up demand. Is that really there? Is it not? I think those are all coming to pass now. And so now that we're over that hurdle, we can kind of move forward as a channel.
0: Yeah, the the, uh, question that the dean's referring to is the final, like we get all sorts of Data and stats, but we have a very open ended question that says just talk about challenges, opportunities, and threats. And I can't say, maybe it's, I don't know if it's like a human study experiment, or maybe it's just for our channel. Very few people race to talk about opportunities. Nine (laughs) out of 10, it's talking about the threats and the challenges. (laughs) Maybe it's just the the world that we live in. Uh, But, you know, in the 2021 report, every answer was COVID, 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 COVID. The 2022 report, supply chain, supply chain, supply chain, this year's report, and we'll talk about that a little bit, did not. Talk about those. Only one person mentioned something about the supply chain, and it was more, you know, that's in the rear view mirror. So, yeah. Uh, and so, Hunter, if you can, before I ask Dean about his number one takeaway, do you see that as well that the supply chain for you, uh, again, in all the different hats that you wear, that it's more in the rear view mirror? Not that maybe it's not back to normal, but it's not the spot that it used to be. Do you see it the same way uh, that Dean just related to? Uh,
1: absolutely. I think that um, we have seen in our businesses that. You know, supply chain was a, um, you know, was a blocker. There was a real hurdle to being able to complete um, installations, deployments and things like that because product was just not available. I think I think we've moved to a degree where sometimes you may substitute alternate products um, or, or you may have adjusted purchasing so that you're carrying more inventory for certain things, but it, it, it does not block our business today as much as it um, has previously
0: and it turned out to be an opportunity for vendors right because those who had product they got to meet a lot of new partners because folks were looking for anything and everything uh they weren't as as choosy so all right and so i, sure. I think oh, go ahead. you know
1: i'm sorry uh, you know there's you have a, a um a data point that i thought was very interesting that i wonder how much it's related to supply chain talking about the um business that's associated with existing versus new customers and And I was surprised to see the volume that was associated with existing customers, and I almost wonder if that was pent up opportunities that were finally able to be realized as the supply chain eased you know in the earlier part of last year
2: yeah know that's a really good point. I noticed that as well hunter what was the what was the statistic there uh, Jim do you have it pulled up because it was it was fascinating to look at um well that part of it
0: I- I I will find it in one second. That's where I I do a quick uh, view of it. So uh, in terms of – so the question that we ask is – see if I can get the the right question here. In 2022 approximately, what percent of your sales were generated from existing customers – versus net new customer acquisition and so we said just over a, qu- a quarter of respondents 27.2 were spent, uh 27.2% reported that less than half the revenue was generated by existing customers uh in 2022 that was down from about 37% in 2021 and then just over 40% of respondents said 80% or more from their revenue comes from existing customers a 13 point jump uh from the prior year
2: yeah so right, so that right, so there's some movement there, right? It's it's down on uh, for generated from existing customers, which is really interesting. But 40% of the respondents said 80% of their revenue uh, is from you know exist which, which existing customers, which was a 13 point jump mm-hmm. from last year uh, as I'm reading in, in in the overall take. So you know it's. I don't know. You know, it's I I think part of the commentary there as well, though, uh, is the necessity for resellers to keep in mind that net new business uh, sometimes obviously doesn't come from your existing customer base. A lot of times it's easy to kind of lean on those customers and feel, feel very comfortable about those that you have. But the reality is you got to go out, you got to continue to find new, net new customers, Uh, and serendipitously, you might find them in unique areas. And I think we saw that kind of to, to Hunter's original point when you saw, you know, hospitality resellers maybe getting into retail or getting back a house into what's happening back a house. You know, they really kind of had to explore expand their tech offering a little bit to accommodate the lack of revenue that they were getting due to it, uh, but also the demands of their customers and what their customers were asking. them. Sometimes it was net new customers asking them to do net new things.
1: You know, fabulous. one of the interesting things just about some of the data modeling is that as there's a shift of revenue to recurring revenue models, you naturally see those existing customer revenues increase as a percentage and it it becomes harder to add net new uh maintain your pace of growth on a percentage basis um, as that existing base continues to grow and so um you know i think that that it's an interesting thought when you think about growing your business and and you're on a recurring revenue model You know, uh, you know, some of the ones that Dean, you know, referenced right there, you know, finding new customers, you know, further penetrating existing customers, penetrating new geographic markets, new verticals, Um, you know, it's an interesting dynamic about how you maintain growth. Mm hmm.
0: Amen. Well said, Hunter. You start us off on a good foot uh, talking about uh, disruption opportunity. Dean, uh, talk about the number one thing from this year's study that caught your attention.
2: Well, so I'm going to pick up right there where we were just leaving off on that part of the conversation, and and the fact that you know, as a service model is not taking over the world on the reseller side as fast as maybe some of us might thought, which I thought was interesting. Now it's clear in the data that the ISVs and the hybrids, they got it down, right? So if you look at those, the data is saying that for ISVs and hybrids, what is the percentage of those that are mostly or completely moved their business over to a a SaaS model? Well, um, it was, let's see, mostly 60, which is 60% or greater to completely, is 93% for ISVs and hybrids. So they clearly have the whole as a service model down. Resellers, however, VARs comparatively are only at 46% this year in aggregate, so so the resellers, and it, and it kind of looked like, Jim, it was kind of plateauing a little bit, right? And we're kind of noticing that in the marketplace as well through our hybrid SaaS and things of that nature that there seems to be a bit of a plateauing or a much slower growth on the reseller side as it relates to as a service. So we find that to be very interesting as well, right? There's the one argument that says, well, you, you just got to convert your business over there if, you, if you're if you looking to sell your business or whatever the, the, the metrics of why you would want to do it might be we really thought that a lot more people would be in a position to to have their businesses at more as an as a service certainly when you think about when resellers keep adding tech stacks or they're asked to do more things in the marketplace rather than just be a one trick pony of a pos software or a, a pos solution provider right that's gone they have to do more things and usually more things means adding on as a service types of models. So I, I, I thought that was curious uh, a little bit about how, you know, how the data is showing that the resellers are kind of plateauing a little bit there.
0: Yeah, and before I get Hunter's take, so every year we ask, you know, break down uh, your revenue, you know, whether it's like the the categories you talked about, are you completely transitioned to like 85 to 100% of your revenue, are you mostly halfway and all that. And early on in this study, the current year's chart and the predicted next year's chart were very much different. And then it seems like the super providers kept hitting that next year's chart and it kept moving up and up. These charts look pretty much the same from year to year, an incremental uh, increase. So it seems like we have reached, I don't want to say a cap, but a point where, just like lifting weights, people are probably looking at me like, what does this guy know about lifting weights, (laughs) Uh, right? But when you first start, like you make a lot of gains, and then it's only incremental progress from there. So Hunter, I'm curious to get uh, your take on this. Again, we talked about, um, you know, the as-a-service business model um, and how your business really adapted uh, to that as a reseller. Can you talk about uh, what Dean mentioned in terms of where you're comparing the hybrids, the ISVs and where the resellers are and what you think is around the corner for resellers from that standpoint.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that um, when I was looking at some of that data, you know, there is um, uh, certainly some portion of the traditional reseller model that that still embraces um, hardware as a component of their solution set or a large uh, percentage of their solution set around hardware, which um, you know, I don't think everybody has, you know, really migrated that to an as a service model that tends to be a bigger lift in a couple of different ways than, you know, migrating a software or a service uh, type um, uh, solution or offering. Um, I, I think, you know, the other thing that happens is that you um, uh, the businesses reach these uh, somewhat natural uh, back points of balance within them. And so one of the ones that I like to look at um, or talk about frequently is um, uh, retention or attrition. And so, you know, if you have a business that has, you know, 100 customers and you have a 10% annual attrition rate, so you lose 10 and you're only adding 15 new customers a year, you know your growth rate you know is is only a net of those five so it's only a third of the new customers that you do um and so when when you have a business model and a financial model and you reach sort of the limit that you can on conversions and you start to fall into the uh you know the the you know the point where your attrition is falling very close to what your new customer acquisitions are that then your positions and your models, they don't change very quickly. And that's I think impactful. As we see the transition age, I think those businesses hit those point of balances where it's harder to drive continued transition. Yeah. And
0: and is that what you're thinking, Hunter, what we're to predict the next three um, you know, uh, studies that we do. Do you think we're going to see that like either static or just only incremental progression based on everything that you said?
1: Uh, I, I I think it is small progression. You know, I think that this has been a topic that um, has been active enough in our industry that, you know, we've seen the low-hanging fruit has been harvested at this point, um, and that, you know, continued significant gains are going to come from really businesses that have the wherewithal to make, um, you know, some fundamental changes in their business to achieve those. Yeah. yeah.
2: But the other good news here, if I could go down another path, uh, which came out of the study, is that the VARs um, profit margins were better than ever, right, Jim? Uh, mm-hmm. It's the best ever, with only 6.6% of VARs reporting a profit margin under 5%. So that means that there's health uh, in what the resellers are selling. So I, you know, my guess and your guess in the, in the and the report was, well, maybe it's higher-margin services or internal automation that's happening that's having a, a positive impact on the profitability of resellers. I would agree with that, but I also think that, you know, it's their ability for some of the some of the resellers out there that are more cutting edge, getting into some of the newer technologies on the edge, in AI, in machine vision, those types of things. These are the types of services that you can add that have a little bit of mystery behind them, and where there's mystery there's margin and they can add a little bit of margin. So if they're adding some of those solutions to their tech stack, I mean, obviously we referred to cybersecurity and and uh, cellular failover. These are Easy ones, but if you start getting into maybe some of the things that are a little bit more uh, cutting edge as, as it relates to AI, I think you can find some profitable solutions in there to add on, so that you know maybe and you're just wrapping it up, up under your normal business practice, right? You're selling that as an annual contract, and it's not so much as an as a service. So anyway, there's some interesting things there as it relates to the overall profitability health as well.
1: Yeah, and and you know a uh, Healthy, profitable business is an excellent point of balance to be at.
0: Exactly right. But as recurring revenue, so like maybe what we've seen is this march of recurring revenue it was sprint before it was right. then running and now it's more jogging. We've also seen the profits follow as well, especially from a reseller standpoint. So maybe that's a, a lesson for those folks who haven't adopted as much uh, recurring re- of the, as a service recurring revenue business model. And you're saying, because I'm struggling, it's hard to make ends meet. What's going on with everybody else? Recurring revenue is, is likely uh, at the heart of that so all right Hunter uh yeah go ahead
1: and I think the interesting thing to see what plays out in future years is you know um a healthy profit margin gives you resources and capital to deploy for future benefit Mm. and so that's interesting to see how those businesses that have that free cash flow today deploy it and what comes of it tomorrow
0: yeah,
2: really good point. That's part of the R and D that maybe we'll get into here, right? Yeah. Yeah, or the marketing.
0: Yeah. All right. <laughs> yes. If we don't have time to get to it, if you look at the report, uh, marketing could use some more more budget. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. You know, it's pretty much every organization uh, could use more of it. Well, Hunter, uh, what uh, is another point that you wanted to uh, point out uh, from the study that jumped out to you?
1: You know, I I thought. Um the, the topic about, um, uh, aspirational acquisition, um, that, and if you give me a moment, I will flip to page 15. Um, you know, it was really interesting to me that at the reseller level, there were 21.7% that aspired to be acquired. Um, at the ISV level, there were 12 and a half, and at the ISV VAR level, there was 0%. And so, uh, that was, I thought, again, a, um, a pretty healthy indicator to me that I, I tend to think that those ISV var hybrids are uh, businesses that are operating with a longer term business plan in place. And I think that that um, is, is shown in the fact that they're not looking to exit short term, that that business plan is is in place and it's going in the direction that they want. So I thought that was interesting.
0: And just so our our listeners and viewers know, the specific question that we've asked is over the next 24 months, what is your company's plan related to acquisitions? Do you plan to acquire another company? Do you aspire to be acquired or neither? And then we break down all our survey respondents into VARs, into ISVs, or what we call hybrids, the ISV-VAR hybrids. It tends to be VARs who have added software components uh, to their business. So that's the root of Hunter's observation. Dean, what's your reaction uh, to that?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think that that echoes when you think about the mentality of an ISV or a hybrid uh, and and how their approach to the market, you know, what they're thinking mentally, it makes a lot of sense, right? They're either planning to be acquired or they're not, and they're they're all in on their business and trying to figure out. You know how to be that. What that competitive edge is going to be to to muscle them out of of, of other other competitors, and it, that's it's just a it's a different mindset because you know they're looking into what do we need to put into our software in order to enable us a, an X Y Z solution or to or to make it better. Uh, the, the the overall disposition in my mind is different than a reseller who maybe is, is resting a little bit more on their laurels of of who their software providers are. Uh, And they're not really kind of focused in on that. So when you look at it, and 71.7% of resellers say they're not looking to be acquired, or they're not looking to acquire. It's just, to me, it's it it just it it screams of a a slightly different mindset uh, that you would have versus if you were in the hybrid uh, type of scenario. It also indicates to me that you know, if you're a hybrid or you're an ISV and maybe some of the resellers need to start taking on kind of this mentality is forward thinking and what does it mean, what do my customers need and how am I going to embrace that for the future, right? If I were to think of myself like hey if I was going to be sold, you know, what how would I make this business more profitable? What are the types of things that I would need to bring in in order to make it look more attractive? Would it be what would my solution look like? You know, how would it differ from today? Would I incorporate machine vision? Would I incorporate AI? Would I start playing on the edge and incorporate those types of solutions to make myself look more attractive? Uh, it's 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 kind of a different mindset is is, what, is one take that I took from uh, from some of that um, analytics.
0: Yeah, I see it as both mindset and then also just the general model. So you guys all know I grew up at Business Solutions Magazine, yep. where half our magazine were folks in the data collection and point-of-sale industry. The other half were in the, we would just call it the general computing industry. It was mass storage, security, you know, data collection, things of that nature. They were more the MSPs, managed services providers. Yep. There were very few second-generation managed services providers. A lot of those folks were building up their business. They'd sell it, and then they'd go and start something new. They are almost a like serial entrepreneur entrepreneurs were on the point of sales, what used to be called the point of sales side of the world. It was more second and third generation businesses there. And so that was probably more, I'm not looking to be acquired because I'm looking to hand this off to my kid. It was just a, a radically different mindset than we had. So uh, Hunter, I'm curious to your take, uh, on that because i know you got to hang out at some bsm events or there were a bunch of msps there uh as well What what is your take on um i guess if you can put a button on this from an acquisition standpoint uh everything that what dean and i have added to it
1: well i think i think you've uh you know uh summed it up pretty well you know many um you know again i think that it almost comes back to that concept of point of balances you know that, that resellers, you know, what Dean highlighted, resellers 71.7%, neither looking to be acquired or to acquire. They're in this, you know, they're in this state where they're looking to come in each day and unlock the door and run the business, you know, relatively as it is, which, which again, by the other metrics here, you know, that, that is running well, generally speaking. And so, you know, that's certainly a very viable business plan. Um, You know, but, but, you know, the other, The data point in this question that I found very interesting was on the ISV VAR hybrid side, the plan to acquire was 50% plan to acquire something else. And so, you know, again, I just, uh, you know, my general feeling is that that's not the business owner that's coming in and unlocking the door and running the business you know, on a day-to-day basis. No, so. I think
2: you're dead on, Hunter. I mean, if I'm thinking about acquiring something, right, I'm looking at the marketplace, I'm asking myself the questions, where is this going? Where do I wanna be as a company? And and there's absolutely nothing wrong with 71% of resellers resting back, unlocking the door and, and doing the business that they're doing today. But it does speak a little bit that you should have some of those optics, right? When I, back when I worked for a reseller, we purposely dedicated some percentage of our time, I'll call it, is in the five to 10% of, of time dedicated towards okay, here's the core. we got the core down, we know what we're doing, but where else do we want to be? And this was back before digital signage even was a thing. they, they couldn't even name it. it was called narrow casting back then. <laughs> um, but you know that was one of those areas where we saw an opportunity and lo and behold, today that company's fr- flourishing there. So you know I think having some dedication towards what does the future look like and just a, a you know adopting a little bit of that mindset uh, can be beneficial.
0: And I'll say, yeah. Dean, I just saw a presentation where somebody didn't call it digital signage. They just called it signage, essentially hey. saying like, what do you think? We're talking about cardboards? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, <right. laughs> or, 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 Like the, it's all digital anyway. Like, you know, catch up, you know, get get up to speed. It's 2023. Everything's digital. So, no doubt. Um, no all doubt. right. Before we take a break, uh, Dean, uh, you could get to share uh, another important data point or learning. And then again, we're going to take a break and then I'm going to share some things that jumped out to me. So, Dean, what's another learning you want to share with our audience? All
2: right. So I'm going to bypass the marketing one, although maybe we'll come back to that because clearly, folks, we're not spending enough marketing. And that's obviously where I live. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna call out the labor one because labor might be the new you know where supply chain got all the the discussion over the last couple of years labor finding qualified labor you know it's a ubiquitous pain point it doesn't matter where you are what market you are um, so you know the effectiveness of recruiting I thought was really interesting part of of, of the of the report 41% said employee uh, and customer referrals. Were where they were getting their new employees. Uh, and, and that makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, we at Blue Star were going through the same thing, and we are really incentivizing employees and partners. If we can find good employees, um, we're leaning into that. that is, I guess this is the only way that I could describe that. And it's so, you know, I would encourage for those that are, you know, resellers, I know it's hard finding able bodies out there to do things, lean into that. Uh, the fact that your employees can be great referrals. And the other one I would lean into that we're seeing a lot of success in is LinkedIn. It came up four or five, I think, in the survey here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's one of those unexplored areas where we are seeing a, a tremendous amount of success because you can be very targeted in what you're looking for and, and the type of person that you're looking for. So, you know, I think that there's some some green fields as far as recruiting and where you can go into there. Um, I'll stop. But, you know, when we talk about that, when you talk about labor, as we're seeing in the marketplace, you know, a lot of companies are asking, well, how can we replace labor with automation? You know, can robotics, physical robots take over, at, you know, whether it's the the robots that's flipping the cheeseburger or, you know, the fry or whether it's back a house doing picking orders and things of that nature? I mean, think automation is going to be one of those things but there's other ways that you can automate your business processes and free up those that are currently working for you so we we are looking heavily into that and i think resellers should should look into that as well so what are your folks take on labor and you know that that big 800 pound gorilla that's out there right now
0: Before Hunter goes, so the specific question is, what were your most effective new employee recruiting tactics in 2022? And we gave a choice of like, you know, 14 uh, tactics. Number one, like Dean said, was employee or customer referrals at 41.3%. National job boards uh, were at 34.7%. Recruiters, headhunters, placement agencies were at 18.7%. And LinkedIn at 16%. Part of that said to me, it's not that LinkedIn is faltering for folks. It's a lot of folks just don't know how to use LinkedIn or they're not on LinkedIn. then, right, they need a little bit more education in that. So Hunter, what's before we take a commercial break, what's your take on, as we call it, VAR HR uh, with some of the the labor uh, statistics that we shared?
1: You know, I I thought the uh, responses were pretty much um, spot on to what I was expecting. That customer referral is, uh, you know, in the worlds that I play in, by far the the best and, uh, you know, most opportune way to find employees. There's nothing like when you're trying to find an employee who understands what your customer's business is, to hire an employee from your customer, um, so that that has worked well for us. I also, you know, I I want to, um, in that labor vein, I want to, you know, tip my hat to the 38.2 percent of people who reported no employee turnover. Oh, I know, <laughs> right? I, I, you right. know, I I you know, if you are one of those, you know, please get in touch. I would love to <laughs> buy you lunch, buy you a cup of coffee, buy you a a lobster dinner. If you can tell me what the secret to that is, that's for sure. And that's, uh,
2: why, yeah. that's why I went down the path of enabling your current employees, right? You're, that's that's you're dead on there, Hunter. Forty percent of people didn't see any turnover. Well, hey, you gotta you gotta keep those people engaged, right? And so maybe it's uh, enabling them in other ways in the business. Maybe there's a report that you can process that's going to free up an hour or two or whatever of somebody's day. Uh, these are the things that you really got to kind of look for, especially the good employees that are staying with you.
0: So I can say we don't speculate inside the report, right? We kind of let the data speak for itself and provide some analysis. But the speculation I'll offer here is part of the reason I think in this industry, the retail IT channel, there's less turnover than normal is something we brought up earlier. It's a lot of family-owned businesses. So it's, that's fair. you know, it's again there's a very there's less turnover even among these businesses where it's people feel like family but it's hard to quit you know on mom and dad or your uncle or something like that <laughs> um, and so it uh, it's just it's a little compounding from that standpoint all right we're going to take a very quick commercial break first we want to thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcasted video series possible our gold sponsors are Cocard Heartland scantSource and Star Starmicronics and our Platinum sponsor is Dean I can't quite read this very well who's our Platinum sponsor I think it
2: says Blue Star, Jim. Right.
0: It does say Blue Star. Very good. Very good. Congratulations. (laughs) That that is the right answer. To receive the benefits of an artist pay membership or an artist pay sponsorship, email membership. At gorspa.org. Also, registration is now open for Retail Now 2023, the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education conference, and networking event. This year's event is set for July 30th through August 1st at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. You can go to gorspa.org forward slash retail now to register today. Retail Now is where the industry meets. And Hunter, I'll turn it over to you for uh, uh, a commercial for the RSPA uh, Scholarship Fund and the new limited edition coin.
1: Uh, Thanks very much, Jim. Um, I'm uh, fortunate to work with a a great bunch of people on uh, the RSPA Scholarship Fund. Uh, One of the uh, programs that's in place currently is that we are doing a 75th anniversary commemorative coin uh, that coin is uh, presented in a uh, in a frame with a numbered certificate. We're only producing 100 of those. Those are establishing an endowed RSPA anniversary scholarship. Uh, we'd love for anybody that would like to support the uh, the scholarship fund to visit um, go org forward slash coin. And that's our reservation form. And please fill that out. We would love to have the support.
0: Beautiful. And again, that website is go forward slash coin. Coin, C O I N. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Before we dive into a few more numbers and, and my takeaways, we only have uh, about 10 minutes left uh, in our discussion today. But all, so all three of us have been in the retail IT channel for 25 years and we continue to bet on the channel, right? We could go work somewhere else. We can go do something else. And so, Dean, if you can go first, like, why do you, why does Blue Star continue to bet on the channel?
2: Well, I brought up two things, I guess. I'd like to bring up two things. Number one, customization. You know, as, as good as uh, off-the-shelf products become, I bet on the channel because everything needs to be customized to a certain degree, and that's great news for resellers, ISVs, or hybrids in this uh, in this industry, you know, the more that you can add to your tech stack and customize those solutions for the end user, that's what VAR 2.0 looks like. That's where solutions integrators are going for. So I'm betting on the channel because of that. And number two, it's one of the best ways to bring innovation to the market at scale. You know, we're doing a lot of progress or a lot of projects, if you will. Uh, with we're partnering with Intel on some of these really cutting edge, you know, edge solutions. Like WaitTime, which uses machine vision to analyze people in a space and give back to the business, the analytics and the data, uh, you know, modified so that they can make sense of it and make business decisions on it. These are the types of things that, you know, a company like WaitTime needs a reseller community to take that to market at scale. So these are the types of things that, you know, the channel brings to the market that that were true in the past that will remain true in the future. That's got me excited and uh, the types of things that we're looking into.
0: I love it. Hunter, why do you, why do you bet on the channel?
1: Uh, so I think Dean really hit it uh, on the head there. And I would actually just move that whole um, process just a little bit earlier in the relationship that gets established with the customer to understand what that customization is that, that is needed and can be sold to the customer that, in in our channel we i'd like to think of it to a degree that we deal with customer relationships on a micro instead of a macro level and that that is a tremendous foundation for in my belief long term success absolutely
0: amen very good and i'll say I, I bet on the channel and the rsp bets on the channel because and i mentioned this at inspire on stage there and uh you mentioned this at retail now as well the independent streak that this organization this community has right it's not just a bunch of folks filling in blanks like you guys said they're all doing stuff differently and it's not anybody telling them what to do it's then determining what's the next best step and that's where that's where innovation comes from so
2: that's absolutely right yeah
0: so uh, one number I wanted to bounce off you guys. So it, it, it's under top niche vertical. So we ask every year about, um, you know, over the next 12 months, which of these niche verticals do you plan to investigate? And then top niches have remained fairly steady for the last three or four years, ever since cannabis burst onto the scene. So this year, the number one vertical is uh, wine, beer, and liquor at 38%. Uh, um, then there's a tie for second, cannabis and hardware, don't try the two together, at <laughs> 21%. And then there uh, there's a three-way tie. High ethnic verticals, the entertainment vertical, hotels, lodging, resorts, things of that nature. So my question out of that is, Hunter, I want to start with you, like, what should VARs do with that data? And if you're willing to share, like, what do you do with that data? Do you look at it and go, well, it's good for them, right, in terms of uh, other other people pursuing those verticals? Or are you always looking at adjacent verticals to see if it's a new opportunity for your business? So again, curious, what do you do? What do you think VARs can do with that data?
1: um so um what i do with it is i look at it to say what am i not seeing you know what am i not thinking about that somebody else is thinking about and i think it's incredibly valuable for that basis in terms of you know in, in interpreting it and putting it into action um it, you know internally we always have um uh, a a uh, you know some some executive level discourse going on about how to explore products that are adjacent but not too adjacent we don't want to you know add complexity to our business and we don't want to add um uh you know we don't want to cannibalize any existing sales or efforts that we have we want truly net additive solutions and so um, you know, that's, it's interesting to me, again, one of those things where you try and think about who's answering, you know, the different questions, you know, is somebody looking at hardware, somebody that's doing general retail today, or is that somebody that's doing hospitality today? Because I think that that looks very different depending on which one you are, um, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, I think it's an interesting thought for how to grow your business.
0: And we did, be, Dean, before I get uh, ask you a question about this, um, we did see, and you'll see it right at the beginning of the report, uh, last year about folks who said that um, hospitality and restaurants were their primary vertical was 48% of the survey respondents. This year it dropped all the way down to 36%. We talked about this uh, last week on the RSPA niche and startup ISV community, and some folks thought it was hospitality is getting beat up by a lot of those broadline, you know, the toasts of the world, uh, if you would say, But they think retail, because of what we talked about, how it can be nichier and and, uh, a little bit more specialized, they think a lot of hospitality folks are taking their expertise, Um, like LeBron James, he took his talents to South Beach, they're taking their talents, (laughs) and not just hospitality, but also expanding it uh, into the retail space as well. So, Dean, I'm curious,
1: uh, go ahead. Jump in on that, because I think that that ties right back to the customization that Dean was talking about before, is that, you know, that's where you make some elbow room and you create some space that you can, you know, create some margin and create some opportunity there. And so looking for, you know, uh, segments of, of you know, verticals or segments of business that have needs that you can deliver customization to, you know, is, is, is I think, exactly in line with what you're saying, Jim.
0: Yeah, you either move up to larger customers and more complex solutions, or you move over and attack a, a vertical that might need that that specialization. Yeah. So, uh, Dean, talk vertical. So are you're on the front lines of this, as we said right at the outset. Do yep. you see your partners eager to tackle the challenge of a new vertical market, or is it something more like, please get into a new market? What, what do you see <laughs> uh, from, you know, from the folks that you work with?
2: no i think there is some openings and and that's part of what this data you know you can look at this data to justify maybe some of your preconceived ideas and i'm talking from the var perspective right if i was a reseller who's in traditional qsr or hospitality you know maybe do i look to if i'm looking to grow why wouldn't I look at wine, beer and liquor? I mean, it seems to be an area that's of tremendous growth. So I would take that as justification if that's something that I was looking to get into of getting into those areas. It's also a cautionary tale, though, if you ask me. So for example, cannabis is number two on this. To me, cannabis is still one of those cautionary tales where you're starting to hear a lot of the big companies coming in and starting to take over operations and the point of sale. So it's like, okay, is that gonna be opportunity or is that is that a bellwether or maybe, you know, that if I do start getting in, that's gonna be gobbled up in in the near future. Don't know, I mean, it's a question mark, right? But it's one of those things that I'm sure the, the resellers are asking themselves and data like this can really kind of help benefit. Number two, if you're looking to get into a new technology, let's take programmatic digital out of home, which is digital signage, you know, in a retail space. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, I wanna try to leverage that and see if I can, cause it's it's not wildly outside of my core, right? Maybe I'm already doing digital menu boards today and I wanna tap into some of the digital media marketing that's happening. You could do that, well, maybe here to me, I would say, well, I'm going after wine, beer, and liquor because obviously they've got dollars at play there, or they understand the value of technology and what it can bring. Uh, you know, ethnic grocery stores, another area. Now you're talking about a niche market that, uh, from a marketing perspective, you could definitely see some dollars going into that. So, you know, it, it can be a leading indicator for you if you're thinking about getting into some of these new technologies. Where might you take them? This is a great way of kind of doing that level set and saying, "Ooh, yeah, we're seeing some growth as an industry in these markets. Maybe that is a place to take it.
0: Great, thank you for that. So last question I'm gonna ask both of you because we only have about five minutes left. But another headline from the study, it says sales pay spikes again for VARs and ISVs. And so the report says, across the board, solution provider reps were paid more in 2022 than 2021. For top performing sales reps, 48.8% of them earned pay in excess of 100K, up from 40.5% in 2021, so that's an eight point jump. And then also up from 32% in 2020, so that's a jump of, almost 17 points over two years. So and the study also showed an across the board increase in VARS and ISVs offering better benefits. So Hunter, I want to get your take first. So do you see this as like a temporary spike because there's such a labor shortage, or do you think this is a new normal, higher pay for sales reps and more benefits you have to offer in order to attract that talent?
1: Um, I think that the benefits is, you know, very broad as, as, You know table stakes in many regards in many markets these days the thing that interested me on the on the comps around the the sales staff was you know over the many years that's been one of the most frequent questions has been about how to pay sales reps in recurring revenue models and so you know i'm interested um how if that is representative of sales staff that are being paid a portion of that recurring revenue, that now they have that base established and they're starting to reap the benefits of that. You know, I think that, uh, you know, that's pretty exciting if that's one of the things that's coming to fruition there.
0: And that would tie into the less turnover as well, right? If you're tied into a recurring revenue business model, that's a pretty good gig to have as a a sales rep.
1: And and one of the, you know, one of the comments always on that has been, The fear that if you compensate a salesperson on their recurring revenue base, that they'll reach a point of complacency where they will uh, be less aggressive in acquiring new business, which when we go all the way back to those percentage of revenues coming from existing customers, you know, are we beginning to see that flow through as well, I wonder.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Two more things I'll add in agreement with everything that's been said. Obviously, pay is going up, right? So we're going to see that as incrementally having an effect there. The other thing, and it'll be really interesting to see this next year, Jim. Uh, you know, a lot of that pent-up business that was there for the last two years, has it went through, right? The, the bottleneck has been pushed through the, the system, if you will. Obviously, that had a, had a net positive impact on sales and their compensation. Is that going to plateau, or are we going to still see that growth through next year? Don't know. I think maybe that played a little bit into some of this anomaly as well.
0: True. That's very interesting. And I will say the last word on this is we ask folks, what do they think their sales and profits are gonna be for 2023? There was a lot of talk, I'd say three, four, six months ago, at first, I understand I skipped five. People are like, who put this together as a report? He doesn't know there's a number between four and six. So, you know, three to six months ago, um, we had folks saying like, ooh, really worried about the economy, really worried. We didn't see any of that in this report. Uh, pretty much everybody across the board thinks they're going to have a better year sales-wise and profit-wise in 2023. And so my guess is the sales reps are feeling the same way uh, as well. They feel their pipeline is going to be pretty strong, and we'll see if that carries out uh, through the remaining uh, months here in, in 2023. So, all right, right. yeah. I hope so too. We're all crossing our fingers for that, for sure. All right, we're out of time. That does it for this episode of the Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you'd like more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail IT industry, check out the RSP blog. You can find it at go and then clicking on RSPA blog. And as we said earlier, that's also where you can secure your own copy of the 2023 RSP Retail IT Channel KPI study. Before we go, big thanks. Thanks again to Hunter and Dean for sharing their wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA marketing director, Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail technology ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at goRSPA.org. Thanks for listening and
1: goodbye everybody.